0: Well, the Buffalo Bills, for the first time in the 2018 season, have collected a consecutive victory. They have now won their last two after beating the New York Jets a couple of weeks ago um, before their bye week, and then again beating the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday by a score of 24 to 21 and getting some. Pretty saucy quarterback play along the way. Welcome in, everyone, to the Bills Beat Podcast. My name is Joe Biscaglia. With me, as always, Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic. And, of course, Josh Allen making his triumphant return to the starting lineup. And even though it wasn't all that great before his injury, I mean, with the few plays here or there notwithstanding, Josh Allen came in and did a lot of things that we had all been thinking were the next step in his progress, or what he needed to show more of in his progress for him to really look the part as as someone they can build around, and and he came in and answered a lot of questions today. So the Bills jumping out to a four and seven record, getting the twenty four to twenty one victory, Josh Allen getting to silence Jalen Ramsey up a little bit, but yeah, all in all, that was. That was as fun of a game as I think we'll have this season.
1: Yeah, I mean, if Josh Allen keeps playing like that, then a lot of these games will be more fun moving forward. I think that throw to Robert Foster was, I would say, probably... I don't even think it's an exaggeration to say it's the best throw of Josh Allen's life. Um, It was pretty good. I know the big big arm throws at the pro day and the combine and whatever else, you know, get people all, all hot and bothered. But the 75 yard touchdown, he never, he's never thrown a touchdown that long in college. He said, maybe he did in high school. He couldn't remember. And that thing was on a rope. I mean, that was a great, great throw. In stride. With two guys hitting him and a third guy piling on afterwards the throw to Deontay Thompson that ended up getting broken up was another one that was just on a rope. I mean, a dive, another one over the
0: middle of the field to Robert Foster where he got decked, but still, it was an incredible throw right in, right as a zone beater. That was another one.
1: And he was standing in the pocket with pressure, and he ran the ball all over the place today. A hundred yards before the kneel downs brought him just under a hundred for the day. That was the best game he's played i don't think it's even close i know the vikings game was was a good one but right. he didn't have throws like he had today and that jaguars defense they haven't been great this year but they're still pretty legit there's a lot of talent on that team uh, you know the offensive line played well today to to block for for allen i mean he only completed 8 passes which is kind of weird to think about given how well he played he could have had more if not for penalties or You know, missed opportunities from wide receivers that may not go down as drops, but they were, um, in essence, drops. And so, all in all, I think that was as inspiring a game as you could ask for from Josh Allen, and they won, and there was a melee. Yes. So... Really, all around, whoever showed up to New Era Field today got their money's worth.
0: And you know, I want to get back to the inspiring part a, a little bit later on to this podcast. But first, what you got into initially, the pocket presence, which has been the thing that we have talked about quite a lot with Josh Allen in terms of what he needs to do more of. This is, with Allen, it's been a slow go for him. And even dating back to his days at Wyoming, him evading the pocket has been somewhat of an eyesore because you have to win successfully from the pocket. And in his early starts with the Bills, it didn't really seem as though he was comfortable with staying within the pocket. Perhaps it it was something to do with not trusting his receivers or something to do with not trusting the offensive line in front of him. But for whatever reason, it just wasn't happening nearly consistently enough, and it was even so bad to the point in in that Houston Texans game where he was taking off and seeing ghosts well before he needed to, and he was missing open targets down the field. And you just have to wonder what this break did for his psyche. I mean, four games missed, five weeks in total, where he didn't have to worry about starting or playing in any capacity, and allowing his shoulder to get ready, seeing things from an outside perspective without worrying about losing his job—that that goes a long way. And I wonder if he just kind of kind of refocused himself, saying, "All right, this is this is exactly how I have to win from or help this team win because I'm not doing anybody any any good by by evading the pocket and trying to do everything myself." And he even said something along those lines in the press conference after. Uh, not really this wasn't the term he used but not really subscribing to the hero ball theory he doesn't have to do it all by himself and even though his supporting cast around him isn't great they can still make plays if they're given opportunities like Isaiah McKenzie on um, that it was this was a subtle play but third and i think it was 3 or 4 uh in in the second half there and it was just a simple out route and he hit him perfectly right along the sideline to give them a first down it was a it was a money throw to the to the right sideline. And it's just you give your opportunity, your guys' opportunities to make a play, they'll make a play. Same thing, McKenzie again, on a comeback throw that was negated by a Russell Bodine penalty, um, where it was thrown with anticipation and and perfect placement and allowing McKenzie to wiggle forward and pick up even more yards after the first down marker on a on a pretty long down and distance. This is these are two examples of Allen sticking in the pocket and and being rewarded by that. So that should be as much of a, uh, I guess, uh, a big thing for Bills fans moving forward because now he's had that success from the pocket, which means he'll likely want to do more of it. And even on those big plays, like the one to Foster, throwing with anticipation. Like, Foster wasn't open when he threw it. He was going from left to right, and the safety's hips were turned towards foster and he spotted that and he chucked it down to the area where he knew foster was going so you could see that chemistry kind of building he showed confidence in his receiver that was just a a fascinatingly good play and by leaps and bounds his best play as a member of the buffalo bills and
1: to what you said probably the best play of his career i think for the first time today i saw the Big Ben comparisons yeah which is maybe lofty praise and but I don't know that that's I mean Big Ben's probably a hall of famer Mm -hmm. and you know one of the best quarterbacks of this generation so that's a high bar to set but when he plays the way he did today Josh Allen has some of that in him I Mm -hmm. think the willingness to put the ball up there for guys to make plays you're going to look better when guys actually make the plays and early in the season Robert Foster was not as developed as he is right now and so he was throwing those balls up to guys like Kelvin Benjamin who you know hasn't been able to come down with a lot of them almost bobbled and dropped the one that he had today and so but just the toughness in the pocket the creativity on the run it's going to be interesting over the next few weeks because the Jaguars have been awful this season against mobile quarterbacks they have not been able to figure it out either from a scheme perspective or what. They have plenty of speed, plenty of talent up front, but they've had trouble against mobile quarterbacks. That said, you know, going forward, I think teams are going to start to key on that with Josh Allen. They're going to find ways to keep him in the pocket, but when he's beating them with his arm the way that he did... And from the pocket. From the pocket, and you know that's going to be a challenge for teams, and... They didn't need LaShawn McCoy today, but you have to think that teams are going to be a little bit afraid about stacking the box when they know he can make throws like the one he did to Robert Foster and others that he's made uh, You know, in this game that we mentioned. Deontay Thompson throw that was almost complete. Even mm-hmm. the Kelvin Benjamin throw over the middle um, you know, was a on-the-money throw. So that's going to keep defenses honest, and it's going to be hard to simply keep him in the pocket he's not going to run for 100 yards every game ideally Uh, he's not going to put himself in harm's way as often as he did today ideally but look they can players and coaches and whoever else all say oh we don't want you know he needs to slide he needs to get out of bounds this and that but let's face it that fires them up and they're they can't even lie about it right you know the like that fires the defense up that fires the offense up it might fire the defense up more than the offense and it you know you hate to when a fight breaks out the way it did it's hard to pinpoint one thing one reason why the fight broke out I think Jalen Ramsey's comments stirred the pot a little bit before the game got guys fired up these two teams played in the playoffs last year so there's some bad blood there there's the Doug Marone factor uh, that I think you know got the crowd into it. Oh sure, but <laughs> the the other element of it is Josh Allen get having the team just fired up, having the defense fired up to the point where they want to stand up and, and fight and you know not back down when mm-hmm. the Jaguars who run their mouths and and come at them. They didn't want to back down. I mean, Starlo Tulele, who's as composed as a guy as there is, basically said, we'll fight them before, after, wherever. Like, we're not the type of team that's going to back down. Sean McDermott did not really come down on any of the guys that that fought or were involved and said, you know, that's our football team. We're not going to back down. And so they may have avoided the trash talk and everything else, but when push came to shove, they were there ready to, you know, come to blows with these guys. I think Jordan Poyer had the quote of the day when he said, I don't really know what happened. I went in, looked for the, saw the first guy, punched the first guy I saw and then blacked out. And I was like, that seems like a fairly decent uh, explanation, but I do think there's an element that Josh Allen plays in that whole thing. He was obviously not at the center throwing punches, but you know, he runs into the end zone and flexes. He's firing up the crowd. Uh, You know, he's, He's a guy that brings a ton of energy. And I don't know about you. I, I, I think they probably should have had Matt Barkley in there. Yeah. You know, I think How yeah, stupid was that? I think maybe
0: For like he'd uh, be the guy. How played. long did that that last? Like three days? Where some people thought it was a great idea to have Matt Come on. What, what are you doing? what what are you thinking here? When when you have potential for games or moments like the one that you saw with Josh Allen just doesn't doesn't make sense why you would try and they don't win that game with Matt Barkley in fact I think they might get blown out yeah they probably do with the way that the uh the Jaguars were running all over them at the at the start of things (laughs) but I want to go back to the point about Josh Allen running the ball I mean I had someone uh to say, well, oh, I wish he would have been passing the ball rather than running all those yards. Well, what the hell does it matter, first off? And secondly, having Allen being able to break those plays, I mean, that 45-yarder that at the end of the game broke Jacksonville. Like, they were done from that point
1: because they're like, all right, we got him, we got him, we got him. Middle open in the field. He ran away from dudes on that. Yeah, one too. he did. Just when you thought another quarterback would have slid, he ran away from dudes, and I think got probably an extra ten ish. I I legitimately thought there was a chance he could score on that
0: play, and you know the 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 Jaguars defender took the right angle on him and and got him to go out out of bounds, and I think he even took a hit on that play. But but even still, I mean, getting that type of yardage, that's a complete field flipper. They got a field goal out of it. They they got their two possession lead, and it. I mean, the Jaguars needed uh, a, basically a miracle because I don't. I'm not sure that anyone has, you know, that has successfully done an onside kick this year. I mean, it's it's kind of becoming a rarity in the NFL. So um, that's what the Jaguars would have had needed to happen on top of having Blake Bortles engineer a field goal tying drive or a touchdown winning uh, winning drive. So I mean, that type of disparity from being able to win from the pocket as long as he continues to do so and then being able to tuck it and run when things break down from the pocket. There's no good way to defend that if he does it consistently enough. Now, that's the trouble. He has to not see those ghosts, and he did a great job of it on this game, but who's to say he doesn't do it next game where maybe Miami starts to call um, some... Some more like defensive back blitzes, which is something he struggled with early on in, in his season and makes him see those ghosts to where he takes off and then have a spy right there waiting for him. Or, you know, just trying to get him off his spot in the pocket. Because if you take him away from being a pocket passer, if you take away his confidence from that, that severely limits what Brian Dable and the offense can do. But as long as he continues to do that, we know the running element is always going to be there for him because he's got a knack for it. So now it's just a matter of continuing that consistency and, and trying to figure out ways to help him find that consistency. So it's it's this performance above all the others for Bill's fans, has to have brought the most emotional investment to Josh Allen, as we've seen from him this season. I mean, you look back to, uh, his performance in the preseason. And that was really the last time where fans had a ton of fun with him, watching him be able to do the things that were, I guess, broadcasted about him. Having that big arm and and showing that big play type of potential. Because Minnesota was great, but a lot of short throws, the running was the big thing. But this one, man, when, when he completed that pass to Foster, got crushed and hit it in stride to where Foster ran under it and and continued it for a huge touchdown. That was the moment where fans were like, "Well, crap, I'm in." <laughs> like, you, you, I'm you know, I was resistant before,
1: but hey, I'm in now. I mean, that was that was a moment for fans. And he still wasn't. He wasn't perfect. No, I mean, he completed eight passes, so I understand the people who say, "Yeah, you know, they're still waiting for that." you know big time passing game from him but we talked about before just wanting to see the moments the flashes Mm -hmm. and that's what was missing from his first five starts and that's what you saw today you did not see necessarily a complete prolific passing performance from Josh Allen but you saw him do enough through the air probably missed a few opportunities here and there but showed a lot of improvement from the last time we saw him and then had the guts and the toughness to run the ball the way that he did take some of the hits that he took and keep getting back up and keep being you know the guy that this team can look to as an emotional spark and that's where you know if this offense gets it together there's hope for this team not this year given mm-hmm. where their record is and I mean, stranger things have happened. But next year, if the offense right. can build on this and you get a couple of pieces, I mean, the offensive line, you know, there there were some breakdowns here and there, but you're getting some decent performances out of young guys. And that's pretty important. And if you build on that, and maybe Robert Foster is a guy that you can have as a, a complementary piece next year, for those deep passes, maybe Zay Jones is a reliable three or two receiver and you go out and, you know, draft and find guys in free agency to add some more weapons, there's reason to believe this this offense can be a better offense in 2019. And I don't know that people were sold on that before Josh Allen, you know, when Josh Allen went down with the injury and, you know, the, the Bills had some of the performances that they had during that stretch. I don't think people were sold that, The growth was just going to come and Mm -hmm. there's more growth that needs to happen particularly from Josh Allen and you know probably even more so from the guys around him but I think when you see signs of him being a legit quarterback you know that throw that there were more a few throws today that you could say outside of that throw in the Houston game you know most of his best throws this season came today. And he only completed eight passes. So there's there's a lot of room for improvement statistically and, and production-wise. But just the from the eye test and seeing what he was doing, I, I think you have to be a little bit excited. I mean, I know there were a lot of people, you know, the Sabres are getting people a little more excited than the Bills are these days with their nine-game winning streak. But I think people probably flipped on the TV at some point today and, Got a little excited about this team too, and it's uh, we'll see what happens because the defenses are gonna get weaker in the the weeks to come. Miami, oh, yeah. Detroit, New York again, so you're not gonna see the Jaguars again, and that I think that gives this performance can give Josh Allen and everybody else on the offense a little bit of a boost, saying those guys have all that talent, and Josh did that. You know why can't we go out and, and hang big numbers on these other teams? Right, you're you're totally
0: right, and you know the the. For the first time in a long time, the future for a lot of fans seems like it's actually bright. And now there's more of a, okay, well, is this what they had planned all along? Is is this the guy that, that has been hiding for this long? And it's also tough not to think about what Allen could potentially be with players that aren't replacement-level players. Like... There are four different instances today that led to plays that should have been made for Josh Allen that worked. You know, you look at Jason Kroon along the sideline at the end of the first half where a pass went right through his hands on a third down play. That should have been caught. I mean, you know, probably a better tight end would make that play. Deontay Thompson, we, you brought up that play where he um, where he caught the ball, the safety, you know, knocked it away from him but a better receiver probably hangs on to that pass and it's a huge gain from that point point. and then along the offensive line two consecutive plays where Josh Allen completes a pass to Logan Thomas on a on a third down I think it was a third and five and where he rolls out and hits Thomas perfectly in stride Miller gets pegged for a penalty very next play he hits McKenzie on that comeback route where the anticipatory pass is there. And Russell Bodine gets dinged for a penalty. So, And those are four players right there. Bodine, Miller, Kroom, and uh, who's the other one? Deontay Thompson that probably don't have a future with the Buffalo Bills. But they're playing them out of necessity, necessity, Excuse me, necessity. So with all of this cap room, all of these draft picks that they have, you'd have to think with them adding substantially to the offensive side of the ball, which they they are more than likely, almost assuredly, going to do in the offseason, you have to think if Allen shows this type of promise for the most part through the final five games of the season like he did in this one, you have to think the Bills could potentially be onto something. Now, not every game is going to be the same. Not every game is going to go as smoothly as this one. Josh Allen is probably going to make a boneheaded mistake or two along the way through the rest of the season. But when you have moments like that one, like a few of those moments where he's just zooming passes in that not a lot of other humans can do. That's when you start to think, all right, those are the special traits that they were talking about. That's what keeps bringing you back. And that's what keeps the bills, especially, and perhaps even their fans now a little bit too thinking of what could be if if he figures it all out which is a huge if in the in the NFL with quarterbacks
1: yeah and I you know that's what takes time to to see is him putting the whole package together and it's maybe I don't know you see early in the season things go off the rails a little bit for them and it's hard to have patience I get it and They screwed some things up along the way. They got some bad luck along the way in regards to the quarterback position. But none of that will matter if this guy continues to develop and become a stud quarterback. And I don't know that he's on that path quite yet, but this was the most significant step in the right direction that we've seen. And really this season becomes a success if he continues on this trajectory trajectory. Yeah. Regardless of everything that happened early in the season, if he enters the off season on the upswing, I think you can count this season as a success, whether Mm -hmm. they finish four and twelve or seven and nine, which is can we rule out seven and nine at this point? I mean Mm, no. I don't think you can. I mean their their schedules massively weak. That would mean three and two down the stretch. Right. They've and got the Jets,
0: the Dolphins twice, the Patriots. No, that's not going to be, and the Lions.
1: Right. They're probably not going to beat the Patriots more than likely, but outside of that, like maybe they can finish eight and eight or seven and nine. I mean, it's not outside of the realm of possibility. And if they do, it's also not the work. I mean, I know people are going to complain about the draft position and everything else, but we've already kind of talked about how the top of this draft is shaping up to be defense, 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 So if they get pushed into a range where they're going offense, maybe that's not the worst thing in the world for them. I don't think people should be sweating the draft pick too much because if Josh Allen plays like that and wins them games, then that means more than anything else this season. That changes the outlook from, you know, as grim as it was, maybe Indianapolis, probably after Chicago, you would say it kind of hit a low there, but... I I think it was after the Chicago game that I wrote that Josh Allen was the only one that could salvage the season. And mm-hmm. it wasn't meant as Josh Allen can come in here and lead them to the playoffs. Although, if he continues to do this, I mean, why not? Mm-hmm. But it was more of he's the only one that can sway any public perception. He's the only one that can give fans hope because it's all about him. It was always all about him. And... Now you're starting to see, I think, more people will get excited about him. And you can deal with the lows a little bit more when you see a high like you saw today. Because this wasn't totally about the defense today. And they won the football game anyways. And I think that is is the biggest takeaway for me. is They were getting run all over in the first half. And the defense did play well. They did get that goal line stand after the big fight. But... They won this game because the offense jumped out to a fast start and came up with big plays when when it was needed. In the Vikings game, the defense was coming up with most of the big plays. And in this game, the offense came up with a ton of those big plays. That hasn't happened in a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know that I've seen a throw at this stadium since I've been covering the team as good as that throw to oh, Robert Foster. Gosh, no. I mean— No, it's definitely not by a Bills quarterback, but like... I can't even think of one by a non-Bills quarterback. I mean, that was a really, really freaking good throw.
0: Yeah, he can do some special things. I thought when he was getting
1: hit that the ball was going to pop up into the air. Just just the physics of it didn't seem like the ball should come out like that. It's almost like in the video games where Mm -hmm. they don't have the physics just right. So even when a guy gets hit, he can still launch it that's what that looked like because I just didn't think he could get it off in that tight of a space. And he hasn't done, he didn't do that in the preseason. He didn't do it in training camp practices. He didn't do it in OTAs when no pads were on. I mean, that was a, a Sunday throw as they say, Mm -hmm. and he hasn't had a ton of those. And so, yeah, get excited. I mean, he's worth getting excited about. And I, I, don't know that anybody could have confidently said that before today because it was hard to tell. And honestly, it was pretty embarrassing for the Jaguars to see how wide of a gap there was in quarterback play today. Oh, my goodness. I mean, let's— And that's why I think the defense— not to say that the, def, you know, the offense carried the defense, but the offense picked the defense up in the first half when they weren't playing well. The Jaguars were running the ball down their throat and they should have known the run was coming and they couldn't stop it anyways. I mean, it's hard to say that the defense played exceptionally well when they were going against one of the biggest ramrods at quarterback that we've seen in years. Yeah, that's... he is... You know it's bad when Jaguars fans probably were thinking we'd we'd rather have Blaine. We'll take Blaine Gabbert back. (laughs) This is the one time I
0: will say, "Hey, you're, this is this is a, a confident Blaine Gabbert work in here." Goodness me, what? A, I mean, Blaine Gabbert was really bad with the Jaguars. Yeah, still is pretty bad. Yeah, um, yeah. That, that, that interception he had when he was in a few weeks ago—that that was not really ba- really bad. But, but Blake Bortles
1: is worse than that. Blake Bortles is so bad. He's so bad. The fact that he's still in. I mean, it sounds like the Jaguars are going to bring everybody back. Doug Marone on down. And that probably means Blake Bortles. And I fear for Tom Coughlin and his sanity. Mm -hmm. Because the man, we had a great view of Tom Coughlin all day through the glass windows. The visiting personnel usually sits in the booth right next to the press box. And Tom Coughlin was slamming the side of the... You know, the glass on the press box. He was screaming. We could hear his expletives through the glass. It was pretty great. And he's going to have to put up with that, probably for another season, unless they, you know, kind of buck up and uh cut him. Mm-hmm. Because that guy's awful. And so, like, why haven't they benched him yet? He's so bad. And yeah. a couple years ago... They were staring Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes in the face with the number four pick and chose a running back. Oops. Um, speaking of
0: that running back, let's get into the, the melee a little bit, shall we? Um, and this actually just popped up from a listener of ours, uh, Eric Leon, who said he was re-watching the game and he didn't realize this. but And this is a, an elite observation, which I didn't realize either. Leonard Fournette was not on the field. Oh no! In the play before he was the game, he was not. He ran all the way. He put his helmet on and ran. Ran over all the way over. That is. Yeah. That might be suspension worthy for it him. It
1: Might be, but it is in the NBA. If if you are not on the game, but he are, already missed the game, so usually that's I, considered. I suppose, but if you're not
0: involved in the play, I mean, that is grounds for further, further.
1: I guess. Punishment from the NFL. Leonard Fournette was apologetic to a point after the game, but very much was like, this is sort of how... I don't want to say this is how I was raised, but he's like, this is who I am. This is like what I... You got to remember, this guy grew up in New Orleans, in a bad part of New Orleans, and he's like, I defend my brothers. And also... our, the Athletics Jaguars reporter Daniel Popper was is kind of all over this. He's he's writing something and he was mentioning that Fournette, you know, put his helmet on and ran over there. But he also said that Fournette said that Shaq Lawson was mouthing off to him the entire game. And Shaq Lawson was kind of you know, Leonard Fournette was like, This is my shot, basically. Like, he
0: went directly for Shaq. He didn't he, care what was going Shaq on. Shaq
1: Lawson was, you know, apparently mouthing off all game. Shaq Lawson didn't have much to say after the game, didn't, you know, do a formal interview. He told Tim Graham, you know, that he's not talking to any media, and then said he's always gonna fight because he's got that dog in him. Then he was mouthing off about the jewelry around his neck and, and whatnot. But apparently he was talking a lot of junk during the game, and Fournette was just waiting for an opportunity. And so he put his helmet on, ran across the field, and was like look I mean, you can see it in the video that he basically went straight for Shaq. He did. Who was kind of taking some some shots at Carlos Hyde, who at that point wasn't super involved. I mean, Shaq Lawson basically started the whole thing. Leonard Fournette escalated it and threw the first punch. Shaq got him probably the better punch, um, but man, I can only imagine if those two met in street clothes and you know actually fought.
0: Shaq's a trash talker. There's no there's no doubt about it. He is the loudest player in the locker room. I think I can say that yes. pretty comfortably, um, but. Well, Hyde kind of took a shot at, at Lawson first, if if we're, if we're talking about the rematch, we Hughes and
1: Hyde were having their their exchange, and so he was trying to keep Shaq out of it. But Yeah, he was throwing yeah. some. And Carlos Hyde isn't exactly a choir boy either. Yeah, Hyde did uh, it first.
0: I mean, Hyde pushed Lawson, Hughes, and Edmonds, and Shaq said, you know what, screw this. And that's when
1: Fournette came in and escalated the entire thing. And, yeah, Fournette... Through the first jab, I would say, and <laughs> Levi
0: Wallace and Deontay Moncrief are still laying on the floor next to each other.
1: Yeah, they were. They were and cozy. Th- th- it's crazy that that play, like if that play gets called a touchdown, the Bills might not win the game. Right. And and if Leonard Fournette stays in the game, they probably just run it in from the one. Right. And then they got a touchdown, but got called for holding and got pushed back. And Taron Johnson was like, once that happened, we knew we were stopping them because 15 yards or whatever with Blake Bortles, yeah, like no show. That's it. No shot. So. Not with the wobbler. Crazy, crazy turn of events. And the way the defense stood up afterwards, then they missed the field goal. At that point, took the air out of the Jaguars completely. How about Sean McDermott with blood on his hoodie? Yeah, I don't know how he got the blood exactly. I think he might have had it before.
0: He said it's partially his own? I don't know. Yeah, he was pretty fired up.
1: There were some funny pictures of him very fired up. Yeah, It, it made him look a lot older than he was, too. And he's made him look pretty tough. Yeah, I mean he was ready to wrestle Doug Moran. You know why? That was the one thing missing from that fight. True. You know when the bench is clear in hockey and then the goalies fight. Oh, what come. if the bench is cleared and the coaches fought?
0: Well, I know I know Buffalo fans who are also fans of the Sabers will remember fondly of the Saber Senators brawl yes. in which Lindy Ruff and Brian Murray were about to throw hands from from each side of their bench only with the the uh the the broadcast box right in
1: between there who Uh, wins in a fight sean mcdermott or doug marone oh mcdermott not even close i mean doug marone is a lot bigger he's bigger but he's not agile he's also doesn't seem like he keeps himself in shape too much baloney too much baloney bold city but he's what got five inches on him at least he does but and at least 100 pounds mcdermott He's, uh, maybe not 100. How much do you think Doug weighs? 300? You think he's got three bills? I, He's close. And but McDermott's only like
0: 180. Yeah, but McDermott's cagey. He knows like wrestling locks. He would probably he could,
1: take him down. He could snap Doug his ankle. And Doug would go down hard. He could snap his ankle. Doug would go down hard. But Doug's from the Bronx. He's just a regular guy. Dougie Bronx-y. You, know. you know, Too uh, much baloney. I give the edge to Sean McDermott. I do too. Plus, you know why he has the edge? Stretching. He stretches Doug Marone ferociously. Probably cannot touch his toes. Ooh, that—that's that's, that's my take. Could be slander. It could be. Well, I it, I, I don't know that it's false, <laughs> but I don't think he could touch his toes. Couching the opinion. In fact, if if he can, I, I challenge him to prove me wrong. Who would win in a fight, Tom Coughlin or Sean McDermott? Oh my God, Tom Coughlin. That would be like <laughs> Pedro Martinez versus Don Zimmer. Cage match? You think you
0: think Tom Coughlin would take down Sean
1: McDermott? No, Absolutely no questions not. asked. Absolutely oh, not. I Remember thought that's Pedro what you said. Sm- slammed. Yes. That's and Zimmer went be. on his Tom patoot. Tom Coughlin is an old man. Tom Coughlin is not big. I walked by him on the way to the restroom at halftime, and he's not a large man. Yeah, but I mean, he's very, he's a bit frail. But he's loud. He would win in a shouting match. Oh, for sure. I don't know how much baloney Doug has been feeding Tom Coughlin. And I'm not talking about, you know, his team. Mm. I'm talking about actual bologna sandwiches. Actual bologna sandwiches. He looks like he could use a few because he doesn't. Sean McDermott would annihilate Tom Coughlin. (laughs) I think it would be a little bit trickier with Doug, but McDermott would have the upper hand. What if Doug landed a good punch? You know, I don't know. Is there a head coach in the NFL that Sean McDermott could not win in a fight against? Mike Tomlin, possibly. Mike Tomlin's a pretty tough dude. Yeah. Jack Del Rio was always the gold standard of, like, that guy would kick everybody's ass. Yeah, I don't know if he is anymore. But Jack Del Rio's not in the league anymore. Trying to think. I mean, you could. I would probably say that the best shot would be Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin seems like a pretty tough dude. You know, he played. I don't know. I think he would have a shot. But he's not super big either. Right, Sean McDermott's got wrestling background on his side. What about is, uh, Greg
0: Williams? He's got a, a certain bit of crazy to him.
1: Greg Williams—he's too old. He's old, but he's got—he's crazy. Find, he, he could, oh, Mike Vrabel is is v- another one.
0: Vrabel is huge, but I mean, let's let's just stick with Greg Williams for a second. He can pull out a crowbar out of nowhere. I mean, that that dude is insane. No weapons
1: allowed. No weapons allowed. This is not a okay. tables, Ladders and chairs. Who's there? to this say is, no <laughs> weapons allowed? Well, I say, and wow. Greg, Williams, Greg Williams may resort to that, which that's what makes Greg Williams Greg There's got to be other good matchups here. Vrabel's a good one. Frank Reich would get annihilated. Vrabel he's too nice. would have a pretty good shot. Sean Payton is in great shape as well. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know if he's got, got the dog in him, mm-hmm. so to speak, but he mm-hmm. is in pretty good shape. Um, mm-hmm. Pete Carroll's probably no. not beating yeah, anybody. McVay, up. McVay, Sean McVay no McVay, shot. You never know. He's a younger guy, but,
0: but he's, and but he's too easygoing. I feel like McDermott would just crush him.
1: I think, I think Tomlin and Vrabel are the two that come to mind right away. Belichick's obviously not beating anybody up. That wrestling background, is Adam huge for Gaze McDermott. is no. probably not beating anybody yeah, up. No shot. Um, I'm trying to think. Of other teams in the league, Matt Patricia's not beating anybody up. Mike McCarthy's not beating anybody up. Matt Nagy's not beating any up. No, nope. Andy Reid certainly is. How about it? Mike Zimmer? Uh, but he uh, old man strength. He's old. He's too old. I think. Well, wow, you are an ageist. Ron Rivera maybe. He's a big dude, and he probably knows Sean McDermott's weaknesses, <laughs> which could. Play to his advantage. So
0: are we saying, or we're sitting here saying that Mike Vrabel versus Sean McDermott would be the most compelling match of any head coaching uh fight pairing in the NFL? I still think
1: Tomlin is in the Tomlin, next two. sorry. Tomlin, Mike Tomlin, those are probably the three. So how about
0: like a, a, a final four of McDermott, Tomlin Vrabel, and you said Peyton, which I,
1: Sean Peyton is a strong guy.
0: What about Jason Garrett?
1: Totally a joke. <laughs> Jason Garrett, Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson's big. He played in the league. If Ben McAdoo was still a coach, oh, man. I, I'd chuck him in there. Yeah, because Pat Shermer and then you got Jay Gruden's mm-hmm. not beating anybody no. up. Who's in the South? Falcons. Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn. Yeah, like Pete ben. Carroll's not beating anybody up. Who coaches? the? Oh, Steve Wilkes. He yeah. might beat some dudes up. I'd maybe make. I'd think I'd put Steve Wilkes as the fourth in the final four, and I give Sean McDermott a puncher's chance. I do in that okay. bracket, okay. but I think—no pun intended. I think pun was intended. All right, don't speak to my <laughs> intentions. I think Mike Vrabel. I mean, that guy is a savage, and he's right. still—he's still really young, and he's huge, and he's not that far removed from football. They have weight classes for a reason. And the reason is because even though Sean McDermott probably knows more moves, like they just wouldn't work as well against a guy as big as Vrabel who understands leverage. I-, I think Vrabel's probably probably the one. Yeah. I for one am
0: very happy that we diverted down this path because we were going a little bit too serious for a little Would bit. Would Doug own be a top ten fighter? I don't think so.
1: I don't know. Because we just listed four. We There's have so many like Guys that you could just easily say like, oh, that guy would get his ass kicked. We have. Pay- There's probably one really surprising one. Like Jay Gruden is probably just a, a savage. <sighs> like somebody. Maybe it's Jason Garrett. Maybe Jason Garrett knows Taekwondo or closet something. psycho. Right. Yeah. You just never know. Maybe well, let- it's Greg Williams. It's not Marvin Lewis. Well, let's. Or Harbaugh. Like, I doubt that either of those guys is doing any sort of damage.
0: Well, let's write it down. We've got McDermott. We've got Vrabel. We've got Sean Payton. We've got
1: uh Ron Rivera has to be in there. Does he? He's huge. He's huge, but and he it- played in the NFL. He's a big dude. He's old, but oh, I know who we're forgetting. Who? And this is the guy who I always bring up. Anthony Lynn.
0: Could A-Lynn. probably kick
1: some ass. That A-Lynn. guy, he's huge too.
0: A Lynn. Uh Tomlin was in there. Wilkes was in there. And good old Saint Doug. I don't I still think Sean McVay. Really? Just because he's young? What about? Tom Is it because Bowles? you look like him a little bit? Is that why you want to put him in there? He's.
1: He, I think he's just all around. Just a. It's because you think a, he's a, handsome? A, he, he's. He's not not handsome. <laughs> I mean, what about Vance Joseph?
0: <laughs> Where have we gone? What What happened to this podcast? We were talking about Josh Allen, but no. I guess the melee brings brings out the best in all of us. Um, I still think Jack Del Rio would whoop all their asses. I got to say,
1: like, Greg Williams deserves a spot in the bracket. The, he wants you to think he deserves a spot dude the dude is insane. He would hire somebody else to beat them up. He literally that's put out... That's what he does. He, yeah, but he... Exactly. Right. Exactly. That's a, that's a coward. That's not a coward. That's, that's a coward. That is smart. That's a coward. Unless he could hire people to go beat up Sean McDermott, he's not winning a fight. That's probably what he would do. It would be like in the... The WWE, when somebody jumps into the, the ring and messes up a, But you know what? A, if the referee doesn't see it, it still counts. That's what they... I guess. I yeah. Guess. No, I guess. People I'm win refer- championships I'm on that. I'm refereeing this match. Yeah. And yeah. I will allow no tomfoolery.
0: And Greg Williams will throw Freddie Kitchens in there and, and, help, and have you diverted. Or... He'll he'll pay Sean McVeigh to come to come talk to you, and he'd be like, "Oh, hey, it's Sean McVeigh, What a great guy! He's a good-looking guy. Look at this guy!" And then all of a sudden, Greg Williams will take a, a lead pipe and and go to the leg of Steve Wilkes. Could you imagine? <laughs> what a scene! I could. What a I scene. could imagine it? What a scene!
1: I could imagine Greg Williams doing most things. <laughs> I mean, the guy is just out of line. Everybody knows it. But he would probably be too distracted by all the head coaching offers he's getting. Fair, totally He's like, fair. I've got fourteen head coaching offers. <laughs> Donald Trump wants me to be the attorney general. Life I'm considering is good. a presidential run. I have no time for fighting.
0: Oh, life is good. Life yeah. is
1: good when you're Greg Williams. So, at the, least when you're in Greg Williams's mind, life is good.
0: True. So the brawl happened. It helped wake the Bills up because they were asleep for a while there. Um, that. Definitely the catalyst, because if A, Levi Wallace doesn't stop Dante, Dante Moncrief short, that's a TD, like you like pointed out. B, if Leonard Fournette doesn't run over from the sideline and get himself kicked out, he probably scores on the next play. And then C, the Jaguars couldn't rely on anyone on offense from that point forward, and then the defense knew that they, they could just completely dominate them. As soon as they stopped him once with Hyde from the one-yard line, it was over. It was over from that point forward. So the, the Bills, yeah, they, they definitely disappeared for a while on both sides of the ball. Um, not entirely, you know, some people will say, well, Josh Allen only had five yards of passing uh, from the end of the first quarter to like the mid-third quarter, but I don't think that was all on him. I think there was a lot of people that kind of let him down too, and I'm not making excuses for the guy. He had some pretty poor throws too, but... Uh, by and large, he was really good. But they needed a, a wake-up call, and that's what that little melee was. And Shaq Lawson, borderline MVP of this game. I mean, getting Leonard
1: Fournette kicked out and all jazzed up. Yeah, I think up you'd to, take that trade any day of the week. If oh, the gosh, yeah. I mean, no offense to Shaq Lawson. No, he'd take the trade, too. Yeah, he Maybe that's what he was thinking. Yeah, right. He did get the better punch in. I think probably won that fight, although Leonard Fournette would— Say otherwise, but Leonard.
0: I just, you got, maybe I'm just, I, I, you know, this about me. I watch a ton of the NBA, and anytime a guy leaves the bench, they get, they
1: get suspended. So, why shouldn't that apply to the NFL? I think NFL? he'll get a huge fine. I don't know if he'll get suspended. I don't know that he cares if he gets suspended given the, uh, the I, nature of their season at the moment, but it was pretty, uh, pretty unique situation we haven't seen that uh type of brawl breakout over really not much at all because Micah Hyde was standing over Moncrief and I think that was the impetus for the whole thing that's what got guys fired up at first but then it was just an excuse to wail on dudes which Mm -hmm. that's a tie football game and guys are just I mean, kudos to the refs who were just like, yeah, we're just going to throw out those two guys and not deal with the other personal fouls. Yeah. Which is probably the easy way to go about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, they had enough
0: penalty calls to, to, uh, to make throughout the day um, as it was. So, yeah, the uh, the Bills, yeah, they, they'll take that trade every day of the week. All right, let's hand out some awards, shall we? Um, we've got the Dree Archer. We've got the Vontae Davis. We've got the Matt Barkley Award. Uh, for the player that came out of nowhere, and um, then come on, Darlene. So we will start with Dre Archer, which I believe I have, and I will go with Zay Jones today because he uh, he was not an impactful player whatsoever after having a really great game against the Jets, and I know um, Josh Allen completed only eight passes, but... I don't recall Jones really getting targeted all, all that often by uh, by the young QB there. So He had
1: one target, zero catches. I'm going to go with
0: Zay Jones for that.
1: That seems fair. I, w- I think you could also throw Deontay Thompson into that bucket. Sure. Um, a guy that was supposed to have some sort of impact and was targeted three times, didn't catch a pass. Yep. I'll say that Vontae Davis goes to Calvin Benjamin. He gets it a lot, but... <laughs> He caught that one pass early in the game and then that was about it he, he had done his job and was and it was a decent catch he almost dropped it mm-hmm. as I mentioned and um he did you know draw the penalty from Jalen Ramsey it was a good play but then he was non-existent in the second half and that's been the case for him far too often and Josh Allen you know was going to guys like Robert Foster and uh Isaiah McKenzie and it's hard for these receivers. I mean, only eight passes were completed, but you know some of that was on these guys, I think. I don't know about you, but I think someone you just mentioned
0: deserves the Matt Barkley award. Isaiah McKenzie. I mean, sure. his snaps were up once again. Made an impact, not only as a, a, a jet sweep guy or just a gadget guy, but also as a, a route running receiver. I mean, made a couple of big plays, one of which were negated by a penalty, but still, I mean, this is, this is a guy who's making an impact. And... You know he's listed at five foot eight, but I'm saying he's not taller than five six. He's a, he's a small guy, he's a very small guy, and he's making an impact. So uh, I I think I think I've got Isaiah McKenzie for that. Would you agree with that, or do you think there's? I I'm think that's out fair somebody.
1: because Robert Foster can't get it. Because yeah, he got a hundred
0: yarder last week. Yeah, he already he had. had
1: his hundred yard game, and you know McKenzie's a guy who had some moments last week, but. Only seven snaps last week. Right. They gave him the ball. They've been giving him the ball in some interesting situations. He was catching passes today and got the touchdown. I mean, that was pretty big. And I think he's a guy that gives them a little bit something different. They don't have a guy that's that quick and fast and elusive. And so it adds a different element. It stretches the defense, you know, in a different way. And kudos to Brian Dable for... You know, the game plan he drew up and, and the game he called, I, I thought one of his better, you know, start to finish uh, games, the way he was involving different guys and throwing different plays into the mix. All right, come on, Darlene, time. Um, I'll go first,
0: if, if you don't mind. This stems from the, uh, the melee between Leonard Fournette, Shaq Lawson, and a whole other host of other players that uh, we're not penalized whatsoever. But my command, on, Darlene, does not go to any of them. It does not go to Walt Coleman for having quite possibly the most voluminous penalty-ridden football game ever known to man. My command, on, Darlene, goes to the guy along the tunnel who threw a beer can at Leonard Fournette's helmet when he was on his way up. Like, I understand he's getting kicked out and you want to you want to boo him and all that stuff and that's that's all that's all fine and dandy but end of the day human being you wouldn't want that to happen to you and like don't don't throw beer beer cans beer bottles at at people and especially when you can just hide behind the curtain i mean that's that's a, a a very cowardly act in in my opinion. So and I know I went a little bit too serious down there, but hey, be better. Aim to be better. Don't be that that guy or girl that threw a beer can at Leonard
1: Fournette's head. Not okay. Well, two thoughts because I was considering that for my come on, Darlene, as well. Ooh. We don't know. In fairness, mm-hmm. Leonard Fournette may have said beer me. True. If so, come on, Darlene, for a bad throw. Yeah, because right should have hit him you in the head. Should hands. not peg guys on the head right. when they when you know they ask for a beer. But number two is those cans of beer cost like I don't know twelve bucks. Was it a full can or was it just an empty can? i was assuming
0: it, it was full. If it was an empty can and he hit him on the helmet, helmet that's that's
1: an impressive shot, but still cowardly nonetheless. But but I'm assuming there was beer in the can. It, yeah, probably. And so in that sense. That's a lot of money wasted just yeah. to... I, I think you just make a real ass out of yourself. Yeah, not when okay. You, when you throw beer in general, in any setting. And Unless that- it's in celebration and you're spraying beer. True. But When you throw beer, generally, that's one that you're going to want back, Yep, I think.
0: Yep. And that was the second fan to have interacted with, with Fournette,
1: too. There was another one who kind of like gave him a little shove on, on his way. Yes. And, yeah, that whole incident was... Um, it was a bit much. And the fact that there's only one tunnel here certainly escalated things. I can't, I can't believe
0: they, they marched. They
1: couldn't have just stopped. Right. That was Well, seems, Lawson wasn't stopping. I think they could have stopped Fournette. That seemed like such an easy thing to avoid. Is like, all right, one guy goes to the tunnel, and then the other guy goes to the tunnel. But that was not the case. Yeah. And, hey, we're all better for it. All like, right. Except what, for the guy who threw a beer.
0: Yeah, that guy. That guy is, or, or woman.
1: Is not, not a nice person. How about that? All right. What's your command, Darlene? Well, I was I was gonna go down that road, but now I you know this is a road I wasn't sure I was gonna travel down, but I'm I'm ready to do it. Uh oh. Uh, I'm giving my command, Darlene, to Tom Coughlin, and I don't do this lightly. <laughs> um, many of many listeners know I I grew up as a a fan of the Jaguars. Yes. So, long since could give a damn about them in most cases, but Tom Coughlin was like when I, you know, was getting into football. So I don't do this lightly, but I got to give my come on early into Tom Coughlin. As I mentioned earlier, we had a perfect view of Tom Coughlin in the booth next to us. Mm -hmm. And he needs to calm the hell down. (laughs) He needs to settle down. He is probably putting his health at risk. His face was so red the entire game, he was flush, and he has you know he had he has one of those mechanical pencils yeah that look like a pencil that like your nana uses to do crossword puzzles right or my nana does I don't yeah. know about yeah. anybody I, I else's nana an, it's is, an old people
0: this is an individual experience it's describing. an old people pe-
1: pencil and he was slamming that thing around he was punching the glass poor Tony Khan sitting next to him I don't know how he does it Tony Khan and Dave Caldwell both had to be just. Beside themselves. How do you watch a game with a guy like that? It's like <laughs> very you know, carefully. That's very hard. carefully because you don't know what limbs he's going to be throwing around. He's using all sorts of swear words. He may have invented a few swear words. I think he was even offending John Warrell with his language, which is hard to do. Yeah, it really and, is. But more so than his actions, I give him the come on, Darlene, because he's getting so pissed off about a situation he created. He's True. the one who hired Doug Marone as his head coach. He's the one who. Ultimately, made the decision to keep Blake Bortles around as his quarterback. You're responsible for this mess. You know why are you getting so angry? Mm-hmm. Get angry at yourself. I mean, he's he was fuming, and quite frankly, I don't know what else you can expect when you make Blake Bortles your quarterback. You they, know, they chose that choice, right? You don't get mad at Blake Bortles because he doesn't know how to play quarterback. You knew that about him. Mm-hmm. Perhaps you get mad at Dave Caldwell for bringing him in in the first place. Yeah, but you chose to live with it. But you chose to keep that guy, too. I mean, you you chose all these things. You you have m- as much power as anybody has over any team at, at this point in terms of front office people. So come on, Darlene, Tom Coughlin, grow up. And he
0: also doesn't have any way of contacting anyone during the game. So he's he's basically just
1: screaming into a telephone booth. And Tony Khan is just standing there, (laughs) wide eyed, not knowing what to do with himself. I am surprised that Tony Khan doesn't need like somebody between him and Tom Coughlin (laughs) because Tom Coughlin was he seemed dangerous to be around. He seems, quite frankly, he seems like he seems like he needs his own booth. He seems
0: like a spitter. Like like when he gets mad, just his face gets so
1: red. It looks like it's frostbitten all the time. It's alarming. Yeah. Great football coach. Seems like a good man, but settled down, buddy. What is he in his 70s? Yeah. Scratching so, it down a notch or two. So your come on, Darlene, goes to Tom
0: Coughlin for because you he needs to quote calm the hell down. Yeah. It's fair. just a game. Fair. It's just a game. All, <laughs> all fair. And say same goes to the guy who threw the beer can. It's just yeah. a game. Maybe.
1: Blake Bortles, I saw him smiling in the tunnel after the game. seems like he had fun. Isn't that all that matters, Tom? (laughs) Tom wasn't having fun.
0: Tom punched a hole through the glass window in the press box. Not a hole. He
1: He thought about it. (laughs) But again, which is why I say he would be far down the power rankings for coaches who could beat people up because he couldn't even punch a hole in the press box. If you're going to be... If you're going to really... Sit there and do the tough guy act. You should punch a hole in the press box window like that guy (laughs) did last year. Was it the Harvard coach? right, I think it was Harvard. It was one of those schools. He punched a hole right in the press box window. Oops. That is a tough guy. Yeah. Tom Coughlin? I don't know. A lot of of anger, a lot of fume, but take some of that out on your baloney-eating head coach. Who is now your... Slappy
0: quarterback. Who, who have combined lost seven games in a row and are now 3-8 and eight on the season. Yeah. Not great. Misguided anger. Right. Anyway. All right. So there you have it. The Bills get their fourth win of the season, get their second straight victory, and now move into a stage of the season... Or they could actually rattle off some wins here. Maybe win four out of five, three out of five. Who knows? Maybe even win a couple, get to six and ten, which is kind of where we thought maybe they would be all along. So, up next, they have their second to last road game of the season. They are going up against the Miami Dolphins, who just lost to the Indianapolis Colts on the last second field goal, and are now five and six on the season, and have come back to earth after uh, somewhat of a, a solid start, which... Everyone kind of thought wasn't sustainable, which, hey, as it turns out, it wasn't. They're 5-6 and six now. So uh, that will do it for us here on the Bills Beat. Thank you all for listening, as as you do. And we will next talk to you on Thursday of the coming week before the Bills get set to take on the Miami Dolphins. For Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic, my name is Joe Pascalia. Thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you later in the week. See ya.